Hello, welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek mediums across Wait, cultures. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, hold on. Try again. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of is. Like, video games are a geek medium across cultures, though. And I've I've played this with uh, people who only spoke Spanish, people who spoke. <laughs> languages that i have no idea what they were when i was running into (laughs) when i would like like randomly play nightfalls with people there were a surprising amount of people who were obviously spanish speakers first like it Hmm. really shows you the changing profile of the united states it's interesting i would assume that united states but i because i normally search for north america for better connections but i guess it could be mexico or canada too probably not mexico though i mean they don't have a lot of spanish speakers there they speak Mexican, as my stu- former students would say. There was one time, I, I don't know what country they were in, but I'm pretty sure I was with a group that was not in the U.S. But this was on, I think I had broadened the search on, on the Fireteam website because I wasn't getting any results. I was just like, whatever, just give me anybody. I mean, I guess you could you could have anyone be in North America down through Panama, but it I'm just going with where I would assume yeah. that there's a lot of penetration of the Xbox ecosystem. I think they might have been like in Spain, <laughs> like literally in Spain. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Were they using the Vasotros? Because that no story. That was a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> because Trevor's too stupid to know. No, it would be like you. Well, yes, I don't. <laughs> you don't know Spanish was the going to be the way to finish. Sauna. <laughs> Sauna. <laughs> That's Finnish. Welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm Matthew. I'm Dustin. And I'm Trevor. Today we're going to be talking about Destiny, which is a video game we have all played together for several years, and uh, that is it a changeover to a sequel point in its life cycle. So uh, we're actually going to try a little bit of a novel approach later on when we talk about Destiny Outright, but first we wanted to get to a few items of follow-up. That being said, Trevor, would you like to start that off? Yeah, um, this is probably the last of our free comic book day follow-up, but I got Kanan, The Last Padawan, number one and two, for a combined $10 on eBay. I mean, I think that's not too bad above the list price. And the person I bought it from also threw in issue one of the Lando comic with a cool variant cover that has like a, it looks like a retro action figure in its packaging. Oh, there's a, that's a big popular set of variants that they've been doing. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, so just for the record, I now have the entire Kanan run for 20 bucks plus the free Lando comic, uh, which was the cost of just the trade paperback for the first six issues. So I feel like I made the right call. Yeah, getting the getting those three comics averaged over $10 is actually a better value than having bought them at the time. Okay. Um, the other thing is the mysterious issue 13 that we were speculating about. Um, 
It doesn't exist. I only bought three through 12. There was no 13. Uh-huh. So <laughs> that explains. Yeah. I was just misremembering that. Dustin, did you have anything you wanted to follow up on? I have some fun Finland facts today. Oh, do regale us. Yes. So the book that I mentioned last time we recorded, Fin Facts, had a section at the back called The Three S's of Finnish Culture. We've already talked about two of them, sauna and sisu. Sisu. (laughs) Sisu. (laughs) The third S is Sibelius, I think. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, uh, Jean Sibelius? Johann Julius Christian Sibelius was his birth name. But anyway, he was a French... uh, Not a French composer. (laughs) (laughs) A Finnish composer. And it says on Wikipedia that he is widely recognized as his country's greatest composer and through his music is often credited with having helped Finland to develop a national identity during its struggle for independence from Russia. He has lots of cool songs that you should listen to. And he is on, or I guess was on the Finnish currency, one of the Finnish currencies. Hmm. Given that he had kind of like a lat, like the Latinate version of his, I don't know if that's actually how it would be in Finnish or not, but I did not realize he was Finnish. Interesting. Yep. Finnish. His name also lives on in the most popular music notation software. Really? How do you pronounce his name then? Sibelius. I've always heard Sibelius. Sibelius? Okay. So I wasn't far off. Trevor, have you listened to any of his his music? Probably, but I don't remember it offhand. Okay. You're just the most well-versed in music of us. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dustin, did you want to mention anything about... uh, Well, we got the first trailer for the new Star Trek show. And I, I feel like you would have salient insights on that (laughs) um i was i've been kind of excited about a new star trek show especially since they a it's called star trek discovery and b they were kind of um billing it as a return to star trek roots of exploration and discovery however after watching the trailer i was a little bit disappointed for a couple reasons um, in the very first few seconds of the trailer, it says it, it links it to the original series by saying 10 years before Kirk, Spock, and the Enterprise. Um, and I wish that they didn't feel the need to continually link everything directly to the original series and instead move into new worlds, (laughs) Mm -hmm. brave new worlds. Um, Another thing that bothered me is that a lot of the visual design seemed to be coming from the new movies Mm. to the point where like the Klingons look like they look more like the Klingons from Star Trek into darkness than they do any other Klingons ever. Um, and I don't know if it was set in the movie universe, it, I would be fine or finer with that. 
but from what I can tell, it's supposed to be set in the regular Star Trek universe. Um, and so that just doesn't make sense to me to have the a species like the Klingons look. You know, they look kind of like the character in Star Trek Beyond when he is transitioning from his kind of more alien appearance to his humanoid or human appearance, um, just with forehead ridges. So I don't know. And one of the stills shows one of the Klingons and their costuming, and it looks Egyptian almost. Huh. So I don't know. I've got more doubts than I do hope at this point. And my only hope now is that all of the stuff that took place in the trailer like they were showing that they were about to attack someone and it looked a lot more action-y than what we were hoping for. Um, I'm hoping that that's just the setup in the very first episode and that the rest of the series doesn't necessarily follow, follow that arc. So It seemed framed as an anomaly, though, even in that trailer. Yeah, I'm hoping that that is the case. It, I don't know. It, it was kind of frenetic. I didn't quite catch that what they were shooting at later was the anomaly that they mentioned earlier. But yeah, I I hope that that's the case. Oh, no, I mean the fact that they were in an aggressive stance was itself an anomaly. Oh, I see. Um, They seem to have some doubt over whether or not they should be engaging in a conflict that way, but then somebody thought they needed to. Right. Was that supposed to be the first contact with the Klingons? I'm not sure. That not knowing hardly anything about that universe, I that was what I was wondering was if this was the first contact with the Klingons and somebody was thinking they needed to take an aggressive posture because they could tell they were dealing with something warlike. But this is pure speculation. Yeah, I don't remember. But it didn't it didn't seem to me like that would be the overall character of the show. It just seemed like this is a specific situation. Um, the first contact with Klingons was prior to the creation of the Federation. Okay, never mind that. As far as a quick Google search would say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I had been really hopeful about the show. Uh, another reason being that they were featuring a female captain and a female first officer which we had had a female captain in Star Trek Voyager. Thank you. But that's a much more solid female representation on a bridge crew than we've had before. It is notable that this show passed the Bechdel test in the first scene of the first trailer. Yeah. And that's one of the things I like about Star Trek is that, like in the original series... Um, I remember watching interviews. This is maybe going more in depth than what we meant to, but I remember watching an interview uh, uh, with Whoopi Goldberg who played a role in Star Trek, the next generation. Uh, But she said that one of the reasons that she loved Star Trek was that they had an African-American woman on the bridge. And it was kind of like a way of saying that, uh, African-Americans had a place in the future, which they didn't always get from white culture in the 60s. Right. It, didn't she say that 
the reason she became an actress is because she saw Uhuru in the first, or Uhu, I'm saying her name wrong. Uhura. Uhura. But I, that may be the case. I don't remember that uh, quote though. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just don't remember that. I think I saw a quote from her about that. Yeah. And so Star Trek has done a good job of representing diversity and giving, showing people that they have a place in the future. Um, whether that be uh, ethnic minorities or women, um, even the fact that Uhura was a woman, I think was forward for the time and not everything that happened in the show was necessarily what we would consider to be progressive, but it was progressive for the time. Right. A lot of times when I'm watching it, I find myself thinking, wow, this is horribly sexist. And then I remember that it was very progressive at the time and yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You almost have to go back and watch it. You'd have to absorb 20 other TV shows that were on at the same time in context to get the full impact of what it would feel like. And then you'd probably want to vomit. (laughs) I actually started watching the original series again this week. How's that going? I have been watching the original series since 2010. There's only three seasons and I am (laughs) 21 episodes in. It's not, the quickest going i keep watching other shows or uh, i was getting bored for a while this week it was seeming a little more interesting to me though um i was actually watching episode 22 space seed where khan is introduced Mm. and paused it to come record this khan (laughs) (laughs) i have seen that yeah so i hope that this show is good it just was the trailer was a little bit discouraging and I hope that the trailer does not accurately reflect, reflect the show. I also feel I should confess when the trailer came out for star Trek beyond, I thought it was going to be a TV show. Oh really? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea why I thought that, but I was like, Oh, they're doing a TV show for this cast. That's cool. It's kind of like the reverse of the original series. They start with the movies and they go to TV. And I, and yeah. Then I, yeah, I have no idea where I got that idea. I'm glad you brought that up because I had a very similar reaction with the first Star Trek Beyond trailer and ended up liking that the best of the three movies that were made with this new uh, cast. So that gives me a little bit more hope. And so as long as we're discussing things that are from storied sci-fi things set in the future... Do we want to discuss Blade Runner 2049? Yeah, I put this on here because I watched a trailer recently, and I don't know if it's a different trailer than what I had seen before, but I noticed something new in it. I noticed it a new uh, because the director is Denis Villeneuve, which is the same director as For Arrival. Oh, I've heard that guy's pretty good. Yeah, and I really liked Arrival. So this kind of gave me reason to go see the movie, which there wasn't before. I understand that completely. (laughs) Are you not fans of the original Blade Runner? No, I was. I just felt like uh, sometimes I grow weary of 
Hollywood rebooting or rehashing old movies that should, in my opinion, be left as they are and not corrupted by new attempts on their. And speaking of that, we got we got an inkling that Arrested Development season five is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched, I think, three episodes of the fourth season and decided I didn't need to journey any further into that. I think I watched all 40 episodes. All 40? <laughs> it, it, the, it, I don't know. I, I think they thought they could pull off what they were doing, but like part of the fun of the original show was that you had all those actors in the same place and they tried to creatively get around doing that with season four, and it just didn't ever connect to the same level. And it was weird. Just, I don't know. There, uh, that whole formatting issue made it kind of weird, among other things. And let's be honest, Arrested Development has always been weird. Uh, so perhaps it's inevitable that they would try something weird that wouldn't necessarily gel for everyone because i know some people loved it i did not by any means um but i guess i guess what i'm saying is the part of the reason this show was good to begin with is that it took risks that's true and this was episode four was a risk that from my perspective did not pan out i think it got a little better as it went on but like i said i don't know if i would qualify it like i, I felt like particularly the roughest part was the beginning I thought it grew more painful with every passing episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience, which is why I stopped at three. <laughs> I kept thinking there would be some payout, but there was not. I felt like they were honestly trying to set up m at several more seasons, so they weren't trying to get a payout, if that makes sense. Like, they thought, oh, people will be so on board with more Arrested Development that we can do whatever we want in this and it can pay out later. And that's not how it would work. <laughs> Maybe. But the, the reception they got, I think definitely delayed any plans for anything further that they were going to do. Maybe they learned their lessons and improved. They did imply in the teaser image that the characters are actually going to be together this time. So at least in that box. Yeah. Well, it says the they reference the opening narration from the show, uh, and they say the streaming service that had no choice but to keep them all together or something. Mm -hmm. The um, if you want to scapegoat for season four, um, the last person holding out before they could get into making it was um, Michael Sarah. Ah. And then he <laughs> and then he only went on with like the stipulation that he got to be a writer for it. Uh, and then like you could tell his character was very different that almost felt like he was dissatisfied with being George Michael. So then he like made the character less George Michael. I don't know. But <laughs> I have some Citizen Kane slash Peanuts follow up. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead. I tracked down the information there is a peanuts wiki and there's a page on that wiki that lists every citizen Kane reference 
in Peanuts. How many are there? There are a lot. There were three specific strips that I remembered that were my inspiration to actually watch Citizen Kane. In the first one, Linus is watching it for the first time. Lucy walks in and says she's seen it 10 times and tells him the ending. Oh, he's really upset. (laughs) That was your experience with uh, The Force Awakens. Yes, it was. (laughs) Uh, 20 years later, there was another one where Rerun is watching it for the first time. Lucy starts to tell him and Linus runs in and stops her. And in between that, there was one where Lucy is like standing in line for a movie and Linus makes it clear they're not there together. And then she goes home and watches it for the 10th time. So that's why I watched Citizen Kane. I love Lucy. Uh, or, uh, or do, do you actually like the character or did you just want to say that? I just wanted to say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who my favorite is. Probably Snoopy, but I feel like that's probably a common response. I always liked when there were stories involving Snoopy's extended family (laughs) and acquaintances. So it'd basically be like Snoopy with a hat or Snoopy with a mustache, but it would be a different character, like his uncle or something. Snoopy flying a plane. Well, uh, there were some extended stories about the flying ace as well mixed in with that. But then there'd be stories about his uncle, um, long stories about how he crashed in France and fell in love with a maiden. Um, and for some reason, those, the stories that were entirely centered around Snoopy and other dogs were some of my favorites. Anyway, I did not expect to ever discuss peanuts on this show. but here we are I found the word that I was looking for it is insoluble that's all like unable to be dissolved unable to be solved (laughs) and if you're not part of the solution (laughs) you're part of the solute I was just reading some article online and that word was there, and I immediately texted it to Matthew and Dustin in all caps because I knew <laughs> that I had found what I was looking for. I've always heard that joke finished as you're part of the precipitate. Yeah, that's, I think, how it's supposed to be. I just misspoke. I mean, I'm sure it's a another term. You could, Anyway. What did I say? The solvent or the solute? I heard solute. Yeah, so solute is the thing that is being dissolved. And uh, so yeah, precipitate, precipitate might be better, but whatever. This isn't a science jokes show. Oh, we need that show. <laughs> if you want the science joke show, please let us know at any of our convenient methods for interaction, such as our Slack channel or our email address, which I'm not going to try to remember exactly because I'll say the wrong thing. So Trevor. Feedback at betterworlds.net. Oh, I would have gotten it right. Darn. Okay, well, no. <laughs> miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> if you want to see those peanut strips, go to betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 11. If you want to see links for any of the other stuff that we talk about in this episode, it's at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 12. And while you're at episode 11, you might as well listen to it. It's really good. 
Or, you know, if you've got a whole afternoon free, just queue them all up and listen through from <laughs> our very first episode. Better Worlds Binge. Which <laughs> this seems as good a time as any to say. I have heard more than one person tell me they stopped listening some number of episodes ago because we talked about something they hadn't seen yet. And I just want to say it's really easy to skip an episode. You can still listen to the ones that come after it. And second, but they won't hear that because they're not listening anymore. I know, but, uh, (laughs) we am preventing some future ones from happening. Okay. Second, we always start with non-spoiler talk. When we have something that has spoilers, we first talk about it in a way that is not going to spoil it so that we can tell people why we like it and why they should see it or, uh, read it or play it or whatever. Um, so if you look at a topic and you think, I haven't seen that yet, listen up to the spoiler warning. And if you just have no interest, just skip the episode. It's fine. But you don't have to stop listening to the show for that. I feel like our spoiler warning should be something like, there be spoilers ahead. That wasn't too bad. We could just like cut that and use that as the... <laughs> she spoils yeah we haven't been real <laughs> consistent with how the spoiler warnings are done but we've been fairly clear about them i feel yeah we could record spoiler city the song we could just as discussed last week record audio of us all weeping uncontrollably and lamenting that things have been ruined forever <laughs> Anyway, with that in mind, shall we move on to the main part of our show? Yes, but your controller is disconnected. Well, we're not. Thanks for spoiling what we're (laughs) going in with our unique method. Uh, We're not even at that part. Okay. Everybody, if you don't want to know what we're going to do later in the episode, stop listening 30 seconds ago. (laughs) See, we're good at spoiler warnings. We apologize for any inconvenience this has caused, and if you um, <laughs> feel the need to undo it, please write to us at Better Worlds, and we will forward you a experimental memory enema. So we. Have... I was just going to say the people responsible have been sacked. <laughs> we will. We'll do that as well. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Stop making me laugh. So, as previously stated, today we are going to be talking about Destiny, a game we have all played for several years on and off together and have had lots of, uh, I want to say fond memories. I feel like some of them are maybe slightly less than fond, like frustration more with game. Okay, that's almost a spoiler. But anyway... (laughs) Um, so Destiny is, uh, to give a lot of background, um, back when we were all in college, we played the Halo series, which was done by a publisher named Bungie, if you're not familiar with that. Um, several years back, Bungie departed from doing the Halo games, and they started making their own series that wasn't owned by Microsoft, um, which Halo is owned by Microsoft, I don't want to 
presume too much. Oh, anyway. So they started making their own series and then came out with a game called Destiny, which they try not to put labels on because they don't like labels of what a game is. But it is a first-person shooter, and it has characteristics of both RPGs and MMOs. What's an RPG? An RPG is a role-playing game. What's an MMO? (laughs) An MMO is a massively multiplayer online game. I think massive mult something like that. So basically it's you have a character. What did you say? <laughs> Massively multiplayer online game role playing game. Well, he didn't say MMORPG. Oh, not all MMOs are RPGs. Sorry, but they just commonly are. So what What had you said? It's FPS. This this would be an MMORPG FPS. FPS. Yeah, <laughs> the, but they but they don't want a massive um they don't want anyway so it's got features of all of those so the perspective of it is you have a gun um and it's first person you're in a world that's shared or can be inhabited by other players and it's on it's an always online experience and you are leveling up your basic level your abilities your guns abilities and everything so it's got that rpg set up to it um so it's does someone else want to talk about the setting (laughs) it's set in the future space (laughs) frontier (laughs) to boldly go where you will go again and again and and again because there's only five pieces of cut no (laughs) (laughs) so it's set in the future um human civilization has spread to different planets in the solar system uh, but this is actually after the fall of that civilization when we are going around killing um, agents of darkness that uh, led to the fall. Um, so they are the bad guys, and we are the last remnant of the golden age of humanity. So, yeah, and you you play this. You're, uh, a lot of it happens on Earth, um, specifically in Russia, but then you also go to other planets in the solar system. So you go to Mars, you go to Venus, you end up on, it's not a planet, but you end up on Earth's moon. You are in the rings of Saturn for part of it. Um, you're Also not a planet. Yeah, but it's, it's close <laughs> as you're going to get to. It's an accretion zone. Yeah, it's as close as you're going to get to being on Saturn, given its huge crushing gas atmosphere. Um, and then also not a planet, Dustin, but you go to the <laughs> asteroid belt. <laughs> So you go to lots of locations throughout the solar system, and there's various things to do in each of those. Did humanity colonize Mercury as well, or are there just some Oh, things? yeah. You, you're briefly on Mercury. You're never – those were – everything I said there was places that you can go in either like social or um, story modes. You can go to Mercury, but it's only essentially in the um, PvP or player versus player – um, competitive arena, and you can be on Mercury because there's not too much there. Yeah, story-wise, those are occupied Vex installations. They were built by aliens. The Vex is one of the alien antagonists. A hive mind robotics species, I think. If we say any of the following words, Hive, Fallen, Cabal, or Vex, those are all the different alien... Or Taken. Or Taken. It. all the or taken because they're all different alien 
um, species or whatnot that you end up fighting. And some of them fight each other. Sometimes you'll just walk through a planet and you'll see a mini war going on between the two of them and you have a choice to continue on your merry way or mix it up. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of... uh, They try to set it against a background of all of these other races and cultures interacting and each having their own agenda and you're kind of a small part working through all of that. I'm a little wary of getting too explainy because destiny has no end of proper nouns that nobody has heard before or has any context to know what they are. Um, And to some degree we might be talking to people who already know this stuff. So I'm not sure what the balance is. Hmm. I just wanted to say that I, it felt like it could be common to mention the enemy classes, so, or not classes, <laughs> the enemy races. So, yeah. Factions. Species. So, and uh, story-wise, the reason for this, it's in the background, there's kind of a sort of like the monolith moment in 2001. Oh, yeah. This big white ball has come into the solar system and sort of adopted humanity, and that's what sparked the golden age. But it's also what drew in all these enemies. So the reason all these aliens and stuff are coming into our solar system is because this object is there. And they are, um, well, it's super unclear what exactly their deal is. But they're there because the thing that gave humanity its golden age is there because it's given golden ages to other civilizations as well. And like it said, some of those species have just the goal of wanting to destroy it. Some of them want to, it's implied, like want to harness it and take the power for their own. Some are just grumpy. So there's a lot of different, like I said, different motivations and you're constantly trying to navigate those different threats through different um, story modes and things that they do with that. So one of the things that uh, the entity, well, I can't remember the phrase Trevor used for this, the big white ball did was bestow crazy powers upon a certain select group of people that you're not even sure. It's just how they were selected. But um, because of that, that gives you the primary backdrop for what essentially turns into character selection at the first part of the game when you're building a character um so you can choose to be one of three classes classes is that the right term well it depends on what you're talking about well the basic like hunter warlock titan what would that yeah class class so the those all then have subclasses that you can do different things with but um we each actually independently of just normally the way we'd like to play fell into one of those three classes. So, um, for instance, I was typically... The one I usually use is a warlock, which they just use space magic. It's the easiest way to to say it, that um, they are... I don't know. They predominantly play a lot. I don't know. I don't know how to explain this now. They're basically the mage class. I guess it's kind of like a mage, but they're not even... Like, there's not even an energy system that's different from how you guys use your powers. So that is a little... That's true. The Big White Ball, whose name is The Traveler, by the way, um, it 
its power is light. Its enemy is darkness. Um, not super complicated stuff in that area, but it uses its light to give all three of the classes, these space magic powers. So there's a little bit of a mage element to all of the characters in that sense. Mm -hmm. But the warlock is the one that maybe it's just the feel of it since it is not directly tied in with the typical fantasy tropes, but it's the one that feels most like a spellcaster. They try to make it that the warlocks have orders that study the traveler and light. And so they're like the scholars that are interested in power, but also are interested in like the pursuit of knowledge, which falls in with a typical maginess. Right. And part of the reason that it's not real easy to categorize is because there's three subclasses in each class. So we can't just say, um, the warlock is the glass cannon, for instance, which would be a, a physically weaker character who can hit really hard um, because there's three different subclasses. Yeah, and then each one, you have three main kind of stats that you can build your character anyway so that one of those stats is buffed, one might be really weak, one might be... And the stats are armor, that's like your defense... Uh, recovery, how fast your health regenerates, and agility, how fast you move and jump. I guess one way to break it down would be the Titan is more of a tank and can kind of take damage and deal it out. The Warlock can, in most cases, heal faster and do a little bit more weird stuff in terms of what exactly is happening with the power. Like, um, I guess a lot of it does boil down just to dealing damage since it is also an FPS. So you've got like the Nova bomb where you just kind of throw a giant bomb thing at people. (laughs) Uh, and then the hunter can sneak or move around. There's more agility, more sneaking capacity, but, um, also fairly a lot more physically weak than like a Titan. So like, might get killed easier, but I can also move around more to avoid getting hit in the first place. So that uh, leads into the Trevor typically played as a hunter and I typically played as a Titan. And it was just interesting that the game was set up with classes that mapped pretty well to our various playing styles. And all of the modes, uh, the majority of modes try to put you into like a three person team. So it worked really well for us because there were three of us that we balanced out naturally based on the classes we wanted to play. So it felt like it was a good fit and it was by a developer we all liked. And then even on top of that, the basic categories of guns also covered all of our different play styles, which I I guess if they have a well-rounded arsenal, that's going to happen anyway, because those aren't necessarily as tightly linked as like the abilities that a class has, but it still just felt very right for what we wanted to do together. And the Bungie gets consistently praised even for any of the game's shortcomings that gets consistently praised for how well they design guns and how those shoot and feel when you're shooting them. Yeah. And 
uh, part and parcel with the gunplay. Um, I would also include the physicality of moving the character around in the environment. So just the act of like running around, jumping around, um, and also using the guns, it all feels physically very right. It's that you never feel like you're walking through mud or fighting the interface. You're just running around doing your thing. Well, unless you hit a step, then good luck. Yeah. It... But <laughs> those, those sometimes if you, if there's like a one tiny little step, then this really powerful space wizard thing that you're playing as, um, uh, sorry, Matthew, for using the wizard. The wizard is also a specific enemy that Matthew really hates, <laughs> so I will avoid that word. These space magic soldier things that we're playing as. Um, if they hit a tiny step, they will just get stuck, and then you have to jump to get over it for some reason. Steps are hard, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's just kind of one of the adorable little bugs of the game. But for the most part, it, the physical act of moving around and using the guns is very good. And the, uh, in terms of adorable foibles of the game, and I used that term super loosely, the physics very much conforms to some of the wacky physics that Bungie games are, were known for in Halo. Like if you were trying to drive, um, the Jeep, a Warthog, it was always an interesting time because (laughs) it just did not function how a vehicle like that would in real life, um, if you were playing with anyone on your team, you were super sensitive to like, if you both jumped into the air and like lightly touched each other, there could be wild physics impulses that just like knocked you off course. But that doesn't happen in this game. (laughs) Lol. Unless you're riding a sparrow (laughs) or doing anything else, which uh, again, to explain a sparrow is a speeder bike, like from Return of the Jedi that you basically pull out of your back pocket and hop on. Yeah, they're very much like I that's has to be the main design point for those. Like it the <laughs> they just function too much like that. If only we could get some that sound like a speeder bike. They even like the in as time went on the designs looked more and more like the speeder bikes from there. Yeah, it's like <laughs> They just kind of, at first, maybe they were trying to say like, oh no, it's it's a different thing. And then they just eventually gave up and like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we acknowledge this. It's the same thing. <laughs> Destiny 2 actually has Ewoks in it. No. <laughs> yes. I am actually going to buy it now. <laughs> Playable characters. The, uh, and one other brief thing, we'd said how each class has subclasses you can play as. Those are always predicated upon one of the three elements in Destiny there's a lightning-ish element they call arc. There's a fiery element they call solar. And then you'd think the third one would be ice because that's typically how these things go. But the third one's actually void, which is like purple magic, <laughs> like as the easy. But I think it's supposed to be like gravitational or atomic forces that do weird stuff. It's kind of what they're going for. So one more thing that we kind of touched on didn't really explain is the multiplayer nature of this really goes beyond anything I had seen before in that you don't necessarily have to play like a full mission. Like, okay, we're going to play this story mission number seven from the game together. Now Um, 
instead it's a it's an open world and you really can just pop in and out with other people at will. So you could play patrol with somebody for 20 minutes on whatever planet they happen to be on or um, join in with them for a little piece of this or that mission. And it's a lot more fluid than what I've seen in other games. The Borderlands games come close and have their own advantages in different ways, but even there, the quests feel a lot more like you're locked into doing exactly what quests are available for another person. But because Destiny has not only quests, but also individual bounties and then different objectives that you can get in in one place, you could might have six different things you could be trying to do. Um, that makes it more fluid in terms of like, you know, I don't need this thing, but I'll come along with you because I need this other thing that's kind of in the same place. Yeah, and that's another point too, is that you, everyone, you might be at different points of quests or uh, bounties that you're doing. So you might not have the exact same goals, but because it's an open shared world, you could go to the same place and your destination might align because the different things you need to do occur in the same place and you could help each other out with both of those or you could even go different places and do that but um yeah the drop in drop out i mean it's set up if you see one of your friends online and your friends you can just drop into their game so they're it's very open because they i know part of their design philosophy is they want to remove as many barriers between playing with your friends as possible yeah. And for so long, that's been just a pipe dream. It's like you're playing a game and you just think it would be really cool if my friends could just pop in and play with me, but that's not really a thing. Well, it actually is here. So that's a huge part of the appeal. Perhaps, um, I don't know if it's tough to say whether the gunplay or the class setup or the fluidity of the multiplayer. It's tough to say which of those would be number one, but they all come together in a way that works really well. It would be, I don't know if the game would work without any one of those pieces. Um, so that being said, the earlier mention that we had of the experimental format we were going to try was we are going to jump in and do a couple of... We're actually all in the game right now. Um, and we are going to try jumping in and doing a few simple things together and describing our experience. And it, as a warning, this will probably devolve into not so much description as like yelling when something goes terribly wrong and um, possible death. So if you want to <laughs> <laughs> bear through with that... We are going to uh, do a patrol on Earth, I suppose. That is an easy one. Yeah, it's the basic patrol. So this hopefully shouldn't end too poorly. But there's also... <laughs> so you're picking the very lowest level patrol right now, and I'm feeling very silly for all the time that I spent making sure my gear was properly leveled and equipped before we started. Speaking of which, we have... Before we started recording, we were probably on here for an hour, <laughs> specking out our characters. It was an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Okay, so we were sitting in the tower, which is the social area, 
and we were specking out. Yeah. (laughs) By we, we mean not Matthew. Um, (laughs) Specking out our, our armor, our weapons, and just making sure that our characters were up to snuff, which is traditional for any time that we played together. It, It was not unusual to spend 30 minutes in the tower. To be fair, the reason it took this long this time is I have literally not played the game since we started uh, making this podcast. Um, back in at the near the end of December, I haven't I haven't played since Christmas, and I have not played since school started. We also forgot one of the most important things that one of the basic emotes and interactions you have with the world is dancing. Oh, yeah, I I would never have considered that like a main thing, but. Yeah, no one cares about Maybe because I don't like dancing, but hey, well, kill I, everyone bounty. People um, do um, so dancing. to the... be continually descriptive, we're running around on Earth um, in just a basic patrol area. There are these little beacons. They give us bounties for stuff to do. Um, the most simple one to do just asks you to kill a certain number of enemies, and we refer to them as kill everything bounties. And they're the best because you can basically then do whatever else you want and get credit for... Because the bounties give you a little bit of money. They give you some reputation. Chest. with Oh, a chest. Where? There's also a treasure chest that spawn randomly. Up here, I just opened it because I forgot that Why did there you? was a time limit. <laughs> it just despawned a, a few while. seconds after you opened <laughs> them. So usually people will be polite and not open them until everybody's right there. <laughs> Dustin. Like I said... It's been since September since I've played this game. Oh, wow. You've... Okay. So it's been a lot longer for you. Yeah. We make no guarantees about the sound quality in this segment. There will probably be a lot of clicking controllers. Yeah. Do you guys want to go to the Skywatch where they... That pops in lots of public events that can get... Sure. ...hectic. Okay. To the Skywatch. Sparrow out. Do you guys remember where the Sky... Okay. Yes. We're not that noobish. Do I remember where the sky? I've been to the Skywatch like fifteen hundred times. Are you kidding me? Yeah, this is probably the patrol area that I, not patrol area, but the uh, Earth is the one that I would patrol the most. I think. Yeah, this part of the map is where the first what like four or five levels of the game happen. Right, and then they open up into the lowest level patrol area where you can just come and do basic activities and then the same area because it's introduced so early it also ends up showing up a lot in when you're doing some of the oh oh, public event more public event now medium level events you kind of come through here um so yeah we've been here a lot even if it was just driving through to get to later content so yeah this public event that just spawned um Matthew. Public events are things that happen at more, I think there's some internal game timer, but more or less it feels random where there's an occurrence that gets announced, the sky darkens, and you have to intervene in um, an uncommon thing. So for instance, the public event that happened here was a big alien ship showed up and flew overhead, and smaller alien ships are going to start trying to um, extract resources from the planet and you take out all of the aliens and when you're before they can. Yeah. Yeah. When you're first a low level character, um, these events are basically impossible to do on your own, but yeah. because of the 
emergent, cooperative, multiplayer nature of this game, you can be a little low-level character, an event pops in, you run over, and you're really struggling, but then somebody 15 levels higher than you comes over and starts to help you out. And it's just... Some rando. Just some random person, yeah. Um, So it's, it's pretty cool the way you can play cooperatively, even with people you don't know. And um, you might play with them for a few minutes and because they're helping you complete something that's above your level, you get some cool rewards from it. And then you kind of politely wave or dance at each other and then go on your way and you had your moment and that's it. A uh, fun version. So the hot, the hardest thing, the hardest end game content in this are, are called raids that you have to have to succeed. Really, six people on your team, and it takes uh, the first time you're doing it is going to be a couple of hours to get through this long, complex, multi-stage thing that inevitably turns into a big boss battle at the end. Um, but the way they set up the very first time they did this. You get in for you enter into the part of the raid through an open world, and part of that involves like this big, complex puzzle for unlocking a door. Um, and it would be fun to be on patrol and see people attempting this, and then like stopping, helping the people open the door, and then just as Trevor said, waving and letting them go on their way as they continue to. Hey, I got a legendary engram. Yeah, I think everyone gets those on the first oh, really? one now. Jeez. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, they made that very generous. Um, and a legendary engram's a thing that decrypts into a semi-rare piece of armor. So, Yeah, the thing that he was just describing, the beginning of the raid, that first raid was Vault of Glass. And there was at least one time that I saw a group of five. So they were one man short and a little underleveled kind of struggling to get inside. And I was um, more leveled up than they were at the time. And so I, I stopped and helped them in and then ended up um, going through the raid with them. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, so, you know, so many of the times um, <laughs> that I find a raid group, I end up being like the most inexperienced person there. So it was, it, it's nice to <laughs> actually, feel helpful some of the time yeah be needed (laughs) yeah i don't think we mentioned this but part of the reason we decided to do the episode for this right now is that we or they've just not just but recently they've announced destiny 2 which will be out in september and so that the first destiny game is kind of at the end of its life cycle um and but one of the things i thought that you guys would find interesting if not our listeners um, about Destiny 2 is that they are putting in more robust um, clan features with specifically they're going to have a thing in where clans in the game can post that, hey, we've got like four people and we want to do a raid and we're looking for people to join us in the game and you can just click on and accept that invite. Nice. Like oh, it'll nice. just be posted. And it's like same thing for Nightfalls too. They'll have okay. and- people set up. So they're actually it's not quite a matchmaking but it's like a directed i don't know it feels like a more directed matchmaking and a lot of the sort of intermediate level stuff has had matchmaking so for instance regular strikes there's 
always been matchmaking where if you're alone, you can just pop in and they'll give you some random uh, partners to play with to get through the activity. But the higher level activity never had that matchmaking. And so people built sites called LFG sites looking for group where you could go find people to play with. And sometimes you'd find great groups and other times you would be on the site for uh, like two hours and just not able to find a match that would take you or um, you would finally find a group and the people would just be jerks. Um, That was a common occurrence. Yeah. Pretty common occurrence. Um, And I don't know that putting the match, putting the LFG stuff in game would necessarily take care of the, the jerk factor. But, um, I feel like having, having that stuff built in means more people are going to be using it. So, um, presumably it'll make it easier to find groups just, just by virtue of the fact that more people would be using it. They said that only 50% of the people who maxed out their level actually got to play a raid. And they said that they thought that was cool, but they wanted it to be like, obviously somewhere closer to a hundred percent. Yeah. So they were trying to find ways to let that happen without necessarily necessarily reducing the the difficulty (laughs) of the raid was what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. I'm really glad that they see it that way because I can imagine them saying, only half the people did a raid. That means that the raids are like this super elite activity and only the best people play them. And that's cool. Um, it's, it's good that they want to make it more accessible or that there's no way that you can do it without doing a raid now. What? Like they would, they would change the mechanics. So that the only way to, to max out your light is to do raids. Yeah. You're saying that would be another approach to it. Like I could see them doing that, doing it that way. And they've now, you don't even have to, you haven't had to do a raid to max out your light for a while now, which is nice. That makes it really, when when you have to play a raid to max your level, that ends up locking out people who don't have a lot of friends they can play with because they just don't have the time to find a group like we were talking about, or people who simply don't want to play with other people, even if finding the groups wasn't a problem. Some some people just don't want to play with strangers, period. So it's good to give them other other routes to max out. I was one of those people. You you were? Yeah, I really dreaded joining a random group to do raids, but it was something that I had to do, so I got over it. But yeah. And it ended up being like if you got a good group, it was not bad because they would help me uh because I was always new to the raids at that point, and everyone else seemed to know what they were doing pretty well. And if you get some Sherpas that actually care about people learning how to do it, that's a good experience. Yeah, which, by the way, the beginning of the last episode, episode 11, um, I used the word Sherpa, and then we started talking about Destiny. That was a reference to the kind souls who... Um, post groups on the LFG sites specifically saying if you don't know how to run the raid or you haven't had a chance to do it before this is for you I want people who aren't experienced to come in and I'm going to help them learn how to do this 
because uh, you know sometimes there'd be plenty of groups available, but you hadn't played the raid yet, and nobody wanted to teach you how to do it. But the Sherpas are the people who say, "I will guide you and help you through this." If I ever was good enough with a raid, I would have liked to be a Sherpa because that's the kind of attitude that I appreciated. But I, I was never skilled enough in time to be relevant as a Sherpa. Right. And it got worse as time went on because early on, it felt like it wasn't too tough to find people to play Vault of Glass when I was ready to play it, like probably two or three months after it actually debuted or must have been, must have been just a month or two. Um, people were pretty welcoming and willing to teach at that point. Um, Crota's End, the second raid, I got in in the first couple weeks and, um, so that really wasn't too bad either. But then, um, by the time King's Fall came around, which is the third raid, I guess. But it was in, there was one expansion without a raid, but then King's Fall, uh, for some reason, I went to try to play that like three weeks after the raid was released and nobody wanted to teach it at all, period. If you didn't know it backwards and forwards, then they just didn't want to have anything to do with you. That was really discouraging for a while um, because I really wanted to play it and I hadn't even waited all that long, uh, but people just didn't want to teach it. And I ended up having to wait quite a while before people got to the point where they were comfortable enough with it to start teaching it. And then it was finally uh, one of those Sherpas that finally took me through it so I could learn it. They probably, and I think they made that ra the raid, so it would have been the third one overall, more complex and difficult because they wanted it to not be super easy to do because some of the first two had gotten pretty, uh, I don't know, like people had gotten them down to a science on how to do them more or less. Right. But because they made it so complex, it was, it presented kind of a bigger barrier to entry. Yeah. The big, which was kind of a problem that we found in Destiny's philosophy throughout this game's life, was I don't know, just what's that? Uh, taking something that we had figured out how to do it well and uh, making it to where we could no longer do it. Yeah. The flip side of that was Prison of Elders, which was a um different activity that was a three man one that kind of i guess was end game for the times that they instituted it but basically there was an alien uh basically an alien prison that you got dropped in and you had to kill the this sounds really barbaric <laughs> you had to take out the inmates it's a it's like an arena style prison all of yeah. the inmates have yeah. weapons Gladys. and yeah. yeah gladiator fights oh yeah I mean, I guess they were kind of the condemned or something in a way. Yeah. They were very dangerous. <laughs> um, so that started out like the top part of it was very difficult. And then they made a much more doable version later on. Oh, that, really? Yeah. Don't you remember playing that? I don't remember it being super difficult the first time. 
You don't remember skull loss being a thing we tried? Oh, like, oh you're talking about skull loss specifically. Yeah, and so Prison of Elders had it had a lot of sort of more intermediate levels that you could play a lot of times and weren't too crazy difficult. But the big boss that kind of replaced the raid was that guy named Skolas. And you'd have to play through, what was it, three or five of the kind of intermediate levels, but basically on hard mode. Was it was it five? Yeah, five. Yeah, you'd have to p- play through five of these three-wave segments that were like the intermediate ones, but basically on hard mode. And then you'd finally get to this Skolas guy, and it would be, um, it felt like 10 times more complex. And there were no safe points and no checkpoint. Like, I think there were checkpoints because if you died, you'd be in the same place. But there were no safe points. Um, and so it was just a huge pain working through all those waves and then getting to Skolas and having to have the mechanics just so. So... Yeah, that was a huge pain. We we only played that once, I think, together successfully. Uh, we did it twice. Trevor and I played it with someone else, and oh yeah, Dustin thought he wasn't going to do it. Matthew and I did it with a stranger, and then we were able to do it one more time with Dustin when he became available. It was kind of not worthwhile to do it multiple times, and I'd say that was kind of like when you first did it, you could do. The first raid, we talked about Vault of Glass because there were so many people willing to do it. Um, people knew how to run it, were willing to teach new people. Like That was very doable to run multiple times to try to get like the rewards for doing it, which would level you up and make you more powerful, give you good weapons, that type of thing. But as time went on, it felt like the population that was in that friendly disposition declined so you couldn't and on top of that then they felt like they tried to make the mechanics harder as it went on so you had you were kind of squeezed on both ends like the people who were willing to play to do that were decreasing and the uh, amount that the ease with which you could do it also decreased because of the increase in difficulty so it like slowly reduced people doing that yeah. And that friendly culture of just jumping in with strangers meant you could also play with people for a little while, get a checkpoint, and then take your friends to the checkpoint later. But with Prison of Elders, no checkpoints. So it, it just really hurt that mechanic. They did fix that on Prison 2.0 because they made it essentially just, instead of doing all those waves, it was just boss battles. Which I think worked out better. Okay. I don't know if I played that as much. We played it a lot when it was out. Oh, that was when it was um, with the Taken, right? Yep. Okay, so yeah, they they basically took the old encounters and put that new faction called the Taken in to kind of spruce them up. And you had the, the announcer yelling things very excitedly like, Psylocke, the Defiled! That's another one of the adorable bugs of this game is there's a few snippets of audio, whether it's a narrator or the the little ghost 
which is like a robot ball that follows you around. A cell from the prison of elders. <laughs> yes. Uh, he'll, there's just like a few lines that, um, let's just say, if people quote them on uh, on like Reddit or something, it will be typed in all caps. <laughs> One thing that uh, you guys have been talking about, like expansions and stuff. One thing that I didn't really like about Destiny was that it seemed like it was continually a money grab scheme because they kept offering these expansions that it didn't feel like I was getting enough out of it to make the money worth it. But in order to keep playing, you had to buy it and it was just right. They made it, they made it say like, no, 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 you don't have to do that wink, but they would like relegate the PVP to a couple of playlists. Um, You couldn't get, the higher level gear that allowed you to continue leveling up. You couldn't get any of the new stuff, obviously that they were putting in and any of the cooperative stuff that people would be looking to play with others on would invariably be the new stuff. So you'd be like the population would be stepping forward without you if you didn't jump on with the expansion. So it, it, they tried to make it, Oh, you can still play the game you've bought, but the point of doing it, like the, was essentially the pulled out from underneath you. Yeah. If you did. Yeah. It's like the, the content is all very sort of temporally locked almost because they have these events happening at certain times or the light level that you can attain from certain activities during a certain period. So it's almost like if, um, imagine if you will, uh, a I world won't. where a world without sin. Um, Marvel a releases world without sin. what a better world, maybe a world where Marvel releases all of its movies as it does, and yeah, you know, in our world, these movies come out. You kind of see them as you see them, and you can talk with other people who've seen them whenever. Imagine if instead people only wanted to talk about the most recent one that came out. And if you had not seen the most recent one, nobody wanted to talk with you about any movie. Um, they only wanted to talk about that single most recent movie. That was kind of how it felt to me. It's like, if you, you really have to have the latest thing, if you want to participate yeah. at all. And having DLC is not a new game setup. It was just, new for me because the games that I played prior to that didn't require you to buy downloadable content. That's what DLC stands for. Didn't require you to buy expansions uh, to keep playing the game. It would just be like they would be updated and you'd get these new features or something like that. Or you just bought the game and that was it and didn't worry about uh, um expanding i don't know what i'm trying to say here but so it was new to me and i didn't really like that aspect of the game my biggest experience with dlc was probably mass effect and even there and i would recommend a majority of probably the mass effect dlcs i played it you didn't it didn't invalidate the rest of the base game by not playing that it just made it a richer experience so um, it felt weird to have DLCs that 
even though they'd say they wouldn't, kind of did invalidate the rest of the game. <laughs> they, would, um, they would supersede. Supersede's probably a better word. Um, let's see. The other thing that made that a little bit more of a pain point is that the game did not feel complete content-wise when it first came out. Oh, because yeah. Because mm-hmm. they had set up... Um, all of these story missions to lay the groundwork for the DLC. And so by the time you finished playing through the main storyline, you felt like you had started several stories and only finished one of them. And it wasn't even the most interesting of the plot lines. Um, But you're like, who is this Crota guy? What's up with these awoken people? It's just, I don't know what anything is. What is this? story of this video game and the reason that it felt that way is that they were um laying the groundwork for all that dlc that was going to come out but then it didn't feel like a complete game until perhaps after the first two dlcs i think it might be fair to say it was at content parity with other games at that point we have a brand new player we're playing with over here. He's level 7 and has 35 light. Can you tell what he's working on? Uh, it said what, like mm. the fourth or fifth story mission. I don't remember which one that is. I can't get a direct line of sight on him, so I can't. He might have left the area. Tell you. I'm wondering if we can help him. No, no, he's under. Oh, oh it looks like yeah. he's down in that cave. Now. Oh, this cave? Oh, I see now, yeah. Maybe he's trying to find the loot cave. Which is no longer a thing. Um. <laughs> Yeah. No, he's definitely new. His grimoire is only 440. Let's wave to him. He's a he's a brand new gunslinger. Hi. Yay. Dance. No, wait. That's the wrong thing. There you go. <laughs> he's just going to come out of this menu and see everyone. I feel like Baby Groot here waving Gunnery's... at him. No, like incessantly. <laughs> Hi, Baby Groot. <laughs> I could I could thank him incessantly. Where are you guys? We're down here with him. In this little cave. Oh, okay, I see. Okay. <laughs> we are all currently dancing around this level seven guy. He just came out of his menu and he sees us and he's, he's looking. Who is a very new player. So we're trying to be friendly. Oh, he's pointing to me. Oh, wait, he pointed to you. He's waving to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's waving. Oh, he yeah. waved yeah, to you can, guys. The Grimoire score, uh, to explain that, a lot of the lore of the game is locked up in these things called Grimoire cards that you get unlocked as you do different the new guys telling us a story tasks and accomplishments and there are there are points associated with them so that score is shared across all of your characters even if you restarted like deleted a character and restarted from level 1 um your grimoire score would still make it clear that you were a more experienced player so um where even is Grimoire score these days? Okay, so my Grimoire score is 4,970. This guy's Grimoire score is 32. No, that's light. You have to look at his, underneath his level, it's 440. Oh, that's his light. Darn it. Okay, they changed the thing to hide the Grimoire score because they hate me. <laughs> <sighs> because I always liked that score. Um, yeah. What did you say it was, Matthew? You looked at it earlier. 440. 440. That makes more sense as a Grimoire score. I don't think you can even get a Grimoire score of 2 from anything. It's all in like 5s and 10s. Yeah, it's all 5s and 10s. 
Um, but it's kind of neat just to run in. I, it's, seems weird to me that there are still new people at this point but maybe people are especially considering that destiny 2 is coming out soon yeah but maybe it's like just cheaper so people can play like they want to now or i don't know um i feel oh trevor this is more news that i think you would like um apparently in destiny 2 golden gun is going to have six shots are they going to be like super weak um, I, they apparently can't one shot people who are in supers, but they can two shot people in supers. Hmm. Mixed feelings, mixed feelings. But I think you could still, from what I heard, it sounded like you could still one shot non super people. So you have the ability to more than take down the enemy team who are not in supers. Since they're now, it's going to be four V four. Do we want to switch to a strike? Yes, I was going to suggest that, so I will take us to orbit. When you leave the zones, you all fly back up to orbit, and you all you get to select what your own jump ship looks like. It's not, I have a hard time gauging how big they are, like X-wing size, would you say? Roughly. Well, there's a crashed one in the very opening, like the spawn-in point on Earth. Like maybe a little bigger than X-wings? Yeah. And that one seems more like A-wing size. The, well, the one you have specific- The one that I'm flying right now is literally an E-wing for any fans of the Legends novels of Star Wars. And the one I'm flying is kind of like a Cylon base star. A very tiny Cylon base star. Yes. Yes, sorry. It's not as huge as a Cylon base star. And the one I'm flying has clamps for wings and a little rabbit ear <laughs> thing on top. <laughs> Is that why you're using it? <laughs> it? You realize it's the glass minuet or the yes. aspect of glass just repainted, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Which is the a ship you would get from completing the first raid, which for a while was the only good-looking ship in the game. Hey, don't go straight to a strike. Stay in orbit for a second. Okay. Um, I'm going to load up our list, though. So a little note for anybody who is already totally in the know about all this stuff. Um, just to give you something that's not just an explanation of something you already know. I am using a Chrome extension called Destiny Item Manager to manage my gear. I highly recommend it if you have a laptop that you can use while you're playing the game. And can stand Chrome. <laughs> um, so, for instance, I just clicked item leveling on my Hunter and it automatically equips all the gear that needs to be leveled and then i can turn in all the bounties that i just earned while we were on patrol and it'll apply that experience to the armor that i'm wearing i was going to mention um during the patrol and totally forgot that i saw a bit on what they're doing to change the patrols oh go ahead now that i'm done i can just hit the maximize light button and get all my good armor back on um in patrols and destiny 2 they're adding in a map because they don't have when you're in the worlds you don't actually have access to a map of where you are and they're adding that in they are and they're adding in besides just the patrol missions like we were doing just now um oh and on that map public events are going to show when they're going to happen so you could plan out where to be roughly when if you're looking for a specific public event which was also something you had to use a third-party extension to do in Destiny 1. And they are also adding in a couple of um, 
extra activities, the most, I can't remember the name exactly, but what, basically there's going to be dungeons just on the overworld maps that you can go dungeon crawl in and defeat bosses, get loot, treasures from those things that they the way they were selling it made it sound like they thought it was going to be a major uh, point of the like patrol areas. So that sounded interesting to me. That reminds me of our very first experience playing Destiny. When we got the beta access on the one day they opened up the moon. Oh, and we went dungeon. Yep. And yeah, we went we went crawling into the dungeon that was not really totally open yet. Like they literally like didn't even have enemies in a lot of it. And then when we did find enemies, they were way tougher than the like level four cap that they had for the beta. Yeah. Was it four? Yeah. I thought it was eight. Eight. Okay. So it was a lot of fun delving into that dungeon that it, it really felt like we weren't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And we stayed long after the shutoff time, but they wouldn't kick you out until like you if you left, you couldn't get back in, but they wouldn't kick anyone out who was still in the zone after they shut the time off. So we were deep in the bowels of the moon well after we should have been. So, again, it was kind of fun exploring like that. Trespassing far into the territory of enemies that we did not even know yet. So, you know, we'd turn a corner and say what is that big guy i think that was we saw an ogre and we were like what's going on (laughs) which an ogre is like a three-story tall monstrosity that wants to smash you which actually i just described ogres normally in most fantasy things didn't i (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but these are completely different they are space ogres it was not shrek they shoot blasts out of their eyes it's like it's like if ogre if an ogre mm-hmm. was uh, Cyclops. This has nothing to do with fantasy, though. All you do is fight ogres and wizards and knights and... Oh, man. <laughs> um, the last expansion, um, the culmination of the story quest rewarded you with a sword. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you can actually... And then there's quests to get some really major swords from the previous thing, because the introducing swords was a big... Which sounds really dumb when you have all these guns, but the swords are very useful. <laughs> yeah, and they're a fairly late addition to the game. But mm-hmm. if you can get close to somebody and really want to hit them hard, sword will do it. Whereas, uh, I mean, other times you might want to hit them with a rocket from across the map. But if you're right next to them, you can't really do that. So before, we've been previously doing a fairly open, just going through the open world play experience Now we're going to try, so they have activities you participate in in a group of three called Strike, where the idea is you, you as a group of three guardians, or what you're called in the game, are going in and um, attempting to usually take out one overall big target that the main authority group is telling you to do because it's against humanity's interests one way or another. So there's... uh, I don't know, a dozen of these in the game at this point. And they're, they mostly follow the same, like they try to put some modifiers in to switch it up, but you, you can go and access and do just those strikes themselves, or they put in kind of like a randomized list that can have a little bit of variation to those scenarios. So we're going to launch into the randomized list and see what we get. And 
I think we're all more or less familiar with all the strikes in here. Dustin might not be. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Why wouldn't I be? Were there some added since I stopped playing? Did I don't know how much you played of Rise of Iron. So I don't remember if you were from. I think he played Rise of Iron more than I did. Okay. Well, I don't know how much either of you played that. <laughs> and they, we might get like the revamped. I don't know. We, we'll have to see. That's why we're roll, rolling the dice on what we might get. So, um, but you can, you have bunches of playlists where you can get interesting setups of the stuff you've already played just with uh, small adjustments. So, anyway, we will see in a minute who we are going to be attacking. And it is not on Earth. So, one of the cool things when they're loading stuff up, oh, we're going to go take out the Dark Blade. Yay. Which is, <laughs> um, again, we're breaking into a prison and killing some prisoners. We are not that honorable now that I think of it. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't know how to. Basically, uh, an enemy faction locked up a guy because he was dangerous and he might get out. So we're going to go take him out so that he can't be dangerous anymore. Basically. Okay. Yeah. There's no way to, <laughs> we're going to go take out all the bad guys, shoot things, <laughs> maybe even punch things. Oh, hold on before you run forward. Um, my extension actually did not equip my highest light stuff. So I've got a, you do appear to have red death, which is a gun, not a horrible disease or something that Trevor's <laughs> contracted in game. What is going on? Okay, my armor is right, but my guns are all wrong. Do we lose points for dallying? Um, I don't think so. I'm really annoyed right now because I really don't want to have to stop and look at this. But This is part of the game. so <laughs> I'm 10 light lower than I should be right now, and I don't know why. What should you be? I should be 376. I'm 366. Eh, close. Um, the recommended light... <laughs> For this is 320, so you should be, you could be fine, but. But, but I'm using the wrong thing. Uh, 377. What is going on? 283. <laughs> that is not the right chest piece. Oh man, okay. Ooh, you just did a shininess. Yeah, my... What? You just shined like a big light thing went up your body. Yeah, because my chest piece was 100 light lower than it was supposed to be. Oh, 283. Okay, I see. I was yeah. like, that, that sounds high, but... Yeah, I was only looking at the last two digits, so um, I didn't catch it. So for the listener, right now, all armor and weapons are rated on a 1 to 400 scale. 400, if you have everything 400, everything's, you're as powerful as you can be. Yeah, and the reason that I'm so far from the light cap is I haven't played since December, Ooh, just for the record. Warm Spore. Anyone want some Warm Spore? You guys ran forward without me. Yeah, I was bored. This is also a normal part. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was bored. <laughs> and Matthew's picking up the worm spore, which is a resource I that will just, burn out. I okay. just said, do you guys want the worm spore? And you were too busy complaining about how you were being left behind. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly the excuse I was about to give. I was too busy complaining about the being left behind. Um, <laughs> I don't know where it oh, is. Man. Okay. Uh, Jeez. Um, the worm? It's gone. It was like, it had like a second left when I saw it. I assumed that you were all running forward and didn't care about it. So I told was... you not to run forward. I... You <laughs> warlocks are all the same. But it... No, just kidding. This is all within parameters. You were running forward before... Come here and I'll punch you with your own tiny little titan arm. 
now Trevor's running forward while Dustin's trying to punch me in the hallway where we should, <laughs> leading to where we should be. Um, so this is a giant, creepy prison thing that's an, on an alien ship that we've broken into and is dead in the water, essentially. Um, and... Trevor is playing as a hunter that can shoot things. That can shoot entangling. F- a bow and arrow made out of black holes. Yeah, like black hole fields that trip everybody into them and make them go slow. I'm playing as an electrocution wizard, and Dustin is punchy McPunch. <laughs> You're playing as Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> I am playing as Emperor Palpatine. That would have been easier to say. Um, and Dustin is playing as Punchy McPunch Fist. <laughs> Who also has the power of black holes. Yeah. But he can make the black holes protect us. Actually, wait, should I just switch to Voidwalker so we're all void? Uh, That sounds like a thing you would do. I'm going to pop my super to take out these guys and then do that. Wait, let me do this first. I want to shoot my black hole and arrow at them. Wait, what did I just say? Black hole and? (laughs) I said black hole and arrow. That's, I, uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, So yeah, Dustin's, um, power his main power which is called the super is that he can make a little bubble that protects us okay and i've now switched to my main power is there's heavy ammo here do you guys want it or should i just take it all for myself i'm full let me hold on let me shoot some stuff i'm full oh that was fun i i'm glad i was asking just to make it clear that i wasn't waiting for you wait you're not waiting i'm just glad dustin no i did i just want to do what you did to me. <laughs> I am using the wrong element machine gun right now. Did you guys not want the heavy ammo? I do. I'm coming back for it. I just needed to shoot some stuff. Heavy weapons also have elements, and enemies have elements, and it works better to shoot enemies with matching element in most cases. Yeah, you're trying to match the the element bypasses the shield it is, so if it's purple, you shoot purple. If it's orange you shoot orange and oh and this game actually introduced some uh fairly robust colorblind controls so if you have that issue you don't have to listen to the colors i'm saying so i should really be using a solar machine gun right now given that we're fighting hive i mean you could those are unless you run into the uh, the knights with shields and then it's arc oh yeah that's why i have my shotgun well oh man I just did something really stupid. I picked up all that heavy ammo, and then I switched my machine gun around like three times <laughs> trying to pick. <laughs> that cuts your ammo in half every time you do it, so I have 17 bullets now. Yeah, they want to discourage you from uh, switching weapons around all the time. Well, there's another chest over here. Oh, yeah, there is. Good. And we'll take out the guy who's trying to steal the ammo from it, so... Trevor can then go get the ammo. One thing that we have not really discussed is the breadth of the arsenal in this game there are several different weapon types and a bunch of different perks that can go on the weapons and then a bunch of different stats that affect how the weapon handles yes so even once you have your character totally leveled up and everything you can still get a lot of uh there's still a lot to strive for just in terms of acquiring the loadout and the collection of weapons that you want to have at your disposal because different situations will call for different weapons different play styles will call for different weapons so i think we all 
tend to favor scout rifles, which are single shot kind of carbine weapons um, that are the main. Like you have a set that's called primary and your choices are like a full auto rifle, one that fires kind of burst shots. And then what I said, scout rifle, which is a single shot one or like big pistols called hand cannons that just do what they say. Um, they shoot a little slower, but they hit and aren't as long range, but they hit like a truck. Then everyone has secondary weapons. You're probably from it. Like you can get a sniper or a shotgun, or they have a weird gun that they made up for this game called a fusion rifle that I don't really know how to, it's like a thing that charges up a little bit like a shotgun. Yeah. Kind of like an energy shotgun. It's It's kind of like a laser shotgun, a laser shotgun, but it definitely has much more range than a shotgun does. Um, laser shotguns usually do, I think. <laughs> How many laser shotguns have you seen and used? <laughs> um, in Destiny, quite a few. <laughs> um, right now I'm using an exotic, which is the highest class of weapon. Um, and you can only use one at a time. I'm using an exotic pulse rifle called Red Death, which sorry, Trevor. <laughs> when I get a kill, it heals me. And I'm using it because it has decent medium range and damage. The handling and damage of it tend to be a little bit better for Crucible, the PvP activity. But I just died anyway. In this situation, I knew that it was going to get kind of hairy in some places. And if I got damaged, I could pick off some weak enemies and use that exotic perk on that weapon to regenerate my health. Didn't work right here, though, because I was fighting one stronger guy and there were no little enemies for me to boost off of these wizards are really coming after dustin i'm holding my own i think you're helping me out thanks we're in a scenario where we are crossing a bridge into another area and there's a locked door at the end and so we have to go onto these platforms to the left and right and unlock these cylinders to get the door to open are they both unlocked no, I got killed on the... Actually, no, I did unlock it before I got killed. Because I don't see the key. Okay, good. Yeah, so basically you just have to sit within a little ring for a certain amount of time while everybody's trying to kill you, and then the thing unlocks and you can move on. And we're just kind of cleaning up the enemies in the middle now that we've got the door unlocked. Anybody want this heavy? Door's open now. I sure need it. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, well, too late. Wait a second, don't open it yet. Too late. Okay, I guess I'm using this heavy <laughs> machine gun. I probably, despite the fact that I just explained why I'm using Red Death here, I should probably be using my go-to scout rifle, which is Hung Jury. That is also what I'm using. There, One of the fun things I don't think we've actually mentioned is that the all the weapons have a lot of flavor, like weapons and armor all have flavor text, which some of it's like game lore, but... Sometimes they just make a fairly highbrow pun and, or like even their literary references. It's very obvious the crew at Bungie is very well read. <laughs> at least the writers. Yeah, at least the writers <laughs> of weapon descriptions. <laughs> we're now in that big room that we were trying to unlock the door for. And this this room is kind of like a little meat grinder. They just spawn tons and tons of enemies in here. That we have to fight. And this room is the main reason that I'm using Red Death. Mm, yeah, I can see that. 
a lot of little guys for me to kill. And being a hunter, I need to either be able to get out of the way, which is tough in a small room like this, or get any kind of boost to my health that I can. There are a lot of large rocks scattered throughout the room, so sometimes you can just kind of run around in between the rocks. Another thing we haven't mentioned is these big powers are supers. Um, they charge up over time. You get boosts depending on uh, things you kill and uh, that you can get multipliers and stuff for perks that you have. But also certain things done by your teammates will generate these orbs that lay around on the ground, orbs of light. And if you go pick them up, they'll recharge your super a lot faster. So it becomes easier to use your cool, super effective powers if you're playing in a team. Mm -hmm. For instance, when you guys said that I was punchy McPunch face or whatever, uh, I have on my subclass a spec so that um, whenever I use my melee ability, it creates an overshield and then any enemy that I melee and kill ap uh, while that shield is active generates an orb of light. So I can generate a lot of orbs with my subclass. So he can buff up us to use our abilities fairly quickly. I'm going to run past the ogre here. I'm going to kill it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I also have my shadow shot, which is my bow and arrow spec so that, um, well, for starters, the bow and arrow, when you shoot it, it makes this anchor and these tendrils pop out of the anchor and grab people. And I have it specced right now so that if anybody under the influence of one of those anchors is killed by anybody, it generates an orb for my teammates. My class I was on oh, shoot. was a lot better for teammate play, but then I switched so we were all the same element. So I... <laughs> This section that we're in now, it's a room full of these little stationary enemies called Shriekers that kind of open up and just pound you with their guns. Uh, I usually run Blade Dancer on this strike, I now remember, because Blade Dancer has a lot of invisibility abilities that you can kind of stack. And you can make it run really fast, so I would normally stack up all the invisibility that I could and then run through this section because then all the enemies will despawn in this particular, not all the time, but in this particular area. I have a proposal. I have blessing of light. So if I spawn my bubble partway through this, uh, like down at the lower platform, we'd have to run less distance and we would have an overshield. I'm making a run for it. I think we cleared off the, um, the people over here on the left. So I'm dashing and I'm following you. I'm, I'm slowly following Dustin. Oh boy. I went the wrong way. Actually, it worked out well cause they're all shooting at you. You're welcome. Orbs. Oh, that worked well, Trevor. You... Yeah. I just, as I oh, ran no, by I an enemy that I knew <laughs> I couldn't fight, I just, uh, shot my arrow at him. And then Matthew and Dustin coming behind me, kill all the enemies for me and generated orbs for themselves. And, that was really just Matthew. Oh, that actually made orbs for me as well. That's why I said orbs, yeah. and then I fell off a cliff to back, backing up, so I get... Oh, I guess... Right. I guess you made those orbs, and then my shadow shot would have made orbs for you as well, but because you died, they degenerated. I have 
Let's see. I will count the orbs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. If I can take out some of these guys charging, I can rebuild up a lot of my super. Oh, I'll stop shooting them. I mean, you don't have to. I'm not going to be able to take them all out. This is a fun part of the strike. We're through that room we were talking about. We're going across a much longer bridge now. And the main uh, resistance along this bridge is that a long line of the very weakest enemy in the game called Thrall, which are basically just these little zombie kind of things, um, they run across the bridge towards you in a completely straight line. And you can just line up your gun and... Yeah, heads down, directly open to headshots. Yeah, they're literally just right in a line. So you just pop, pop, pop and charge up whatever it is you need to charge. So we are now to the the end of the strike with the our primary target where we have to jump down into an absolutely dark pit where we can barely see anything and we have to fight him off. There's heavy ammo right here at the top of the cliff. How many times have we played this strike, do you think? It comes up a lot. Too many times. I don't really like this one. Yeah, so this is that's something that I don't know if we've really touched on with uh with Destiny, but a not so loved aspect of Destiny is the grind nature of it. You have to do things, the same activity over and over and over and over to, for whatever reason, whether it's getting resources or completing a quest or. How did I die? <laughs> Sometimes when you jump, you die for no reason. We jumped down into the pit and Matthew died. The pit? No, I'm not doing it this time. I'm not. <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of times they will layer additional rewards or impediments into these activities that we have to do repetitive, repetitively. Um, sometimes that makes it feel better. Sometimes it's just annoying. This particular strike is kind of just annoying to me, even when they layer in the other stuff, because the other stuff doesn't make it more interesting. It just makes it more difficult. This feels like they wanted it to be kind of like a horror game homage because you're yeah. completely in the dark and there's a big hulking thing with a sword that appears out of it's nowhere an and tries to chop you up. He's an axe murderer. Yeah, he literally he teleports around. So not only is it pitch black, um, but he's teleporting. So he, he, he's just going to like pop in behind you and stuff. Mm -hmm. he, yeah, he'll always appear by one of you and then try to smash you. Oh, splutter thralls. The, uh, yeah, the previously mentioned really easy enemies, there's a variant of them that has an exploding head and they will just walk up and explode. And when it's dark like this, well, their heads glow, but there's a lot of stuff happening. So you just kind of have to make sure nothing's walking up by you. Yeah. And you're in a small room, so it's easy for them to surround you and yes, boom. And it'd be okay if they were suicide grunts, but they're nowhere near that adorable. <laughs> they're like on the complete opposite side of the scale. Um, I just noticed that there's like a red thing that glows over where he's teleporting in. Does that always happen? What? Red thing. I don't know. I don't know. It was like, kind of like whenever uh, you are suppressing someone or something like that, and you've got the kind of red arrows above their head showing that they are suppressed. 
come see the violence inherent in the system. <laughs> um, I did see what you were talking about a second ago. I think that might have been someone used something on him that did that. Ah. But I don't know what it would be because it's not any of my abilities. Uh, I don't know how I have my character specced at the moment because I forgot to check my subclass settings. But Night Stalker does have a lot of tracking abilities, so I might have something enabled in that area. Ah. If he's getting down, I can try... If he's dancing? Um, dark Drinkering him. Dark Drinker is a sword, an exotic sword that we talked about. His his head is open now. Yeah, that means he's getting close, but maybe not as... Right. Maybe I shouldn't be getting as close as I am. I always forget to use the swords. I think because it took me so long to earn them. I find it very useful, so I use Dark Drinker quite a bit. There are going to be a ton of orbs in here, guys. Oop. I just spent so long without it, you know? Oop, I died. Huh. Hooray. Ooh. <laughs> so why did you say hooray right after you died, Matthew? I got picked up. Okay. There's your rewards. What are they? Ooh, a silken codex. We have <laughs> defeated this guy. Oh, and here's a... silken a... codex is one of a number of small items that gives just a little bit of currency. So they're not <laughs> actually that exciting. And there's a chest if anyone wants to use a skeleton key to open it. Yeah, but I don't have a skeleton key. You don't have to use it. It's just... Yeah, I'm just saying I I don't have one. I don't own a skeleton key. Which is just a consumable to open a special chest that opens at the end of these strike missions. Well, guys, I don't know if we uh, thought we were going to be able to successfully do that or not, but... Oh, I thought we would. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Are you kidding? I'm, jo- I'm, I'm joking. Oh, okay. It was, oh, of course, Trevor gets the strange coins. <laughs> Three coins. Hey, I want to look at our medals and stuff. Are we allowed to look at Oh, I'm leaving I'm leaving matchmaking. We can look at the summary still. Oh, okay. I think. I We'll get put into another strike if we stay, which I don't think we want to do. Not on air. Yeah, if you just hit the one button, you can look. Okay. So it breaks down at the end like how many medals you got, how many kills each person did and what the what your team score was. Um I'm not going to go through that for Man, I came in last in deaths. <laughs> yeah, I died the most there. But I think two of the two of those were falling. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about my stats. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, it's been so long since you played. It's been longer since you've played. I wasn't going to say that, but you brought it up yes (laughs) oh i didn't even know they broke down i've only saw them do team score i never realized that they actually did break it down individually that's mean i think red death was a pretty poor choice for that strike i thought it would help me stay alive i did only die once but the number of kills i got does not make it look like the weapon i was using was a particularly good choice i think that's the first time i've ran night stalker on that strike as well that did seem to work pretty well. Yeah, I like having Blade Dancer, though, for the... Yeah, for sneaking past all the Shriekers. That room, yeah. So um, do we... I do like having a Night Stalker in the final room, because it has like a special dodging ability that I can't remember the name of. Shade Step. Um, but I honestly forgot to spec my character for that particular thing, so I wasn't able to use it. So anyway, I think we should probably wrap up the um show on that note so anyway that's just we used to do this all the time like just hang out and in a way this was like in uh what am I, what's the word i want 
an embryonic form of what has become our podcast in that we would just usually play and talk about whatever while we were playing. So now we're doing a podcast and playing to talk about how we used to, <laughs> yeah. how we used to play. Right. We'd be playing and we'd have an interesting conversation. And then Dustin would say, this should be a podcast. And how long was I saying yeah. that before we actually did it? <laughs> yeah. Probably two years. So. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, I think, and I think we were talking about, and I don't know if we'll ever actually get around to doing it, but if there was ever interest expressed, like maybe trying to figure out how like Twitch works or something. And then like, just playing and letting people watch our watch and hear our antics as we attempt something in game. But that is probably several steps down the road if it ever happens and it might not. So anyway, if you're super interested in that, let us know at feedback. What about um, the clan? Oh yeah, sure. If we had listeners that were actually interested in this game and wanted to, sure. We could open the clan to them. Yeah. And our clan is called, Still flying, which is indeed a reference to Firefly, as you might have guessed. If you had any interest in that, just, you know, touch base with us on our Slack chat or follow up with us at our feedback address. Any of the ways you would normally get in contact with us and we can give you a crash course in the world of Destiny. Are clans going to look different in Destiny 2? Um, yeah, they're actually integrating them into the game a lot more directly not like right now the main thing you can see is uh on your little emblem in the game that shows that you're online and everything and then a lot of the functionality is based more on bungie's website but they're putting a lot more into destiny 2 and they are even going to put in like a clan reward system so um i think that's like setting goals for i don't I'm not saying they haven't really said like how it's going to work, but basically as everyone in the clan does activities, it builds up points for whatever. And then everyone in the clan gets the rewards. Okay. And did you say it'll make it easier to kind of join up with stuff as well? Yeah, that's, that's true. They're going to put in a system. So one of the big drawbacks for a lot of people, which we touched on was that they didn't, for things like the raids, the end game content, there's no matchmaking because Bungie said, oh, this is too hard. We don't want to throw people who are strangers and who might not even be using a mic together to try to figure this out because we think it'll just make it very frustrating. So they didn't give, put that system in at all. But that had the effect of making it so a lot of people didn't have anyone to play with on those things. So in Destiny 2, they're putting in a system where clans will be able to um, put up ads saying, hey, we've got four or five people for this six-man activity. Um, let us know if you want to be taken through that or want to join up with us. And uh, you can look at like the postings on that and follow up with them and get into doing things that way. So if this was Destiny 2, I would say we could even do that, but it's not Destiny 2 yet. <laughs> I, guess, I guess what I was wondering was more emergent co-op between clan members like if you were members of the same clan i guess it's kind of already there isn't it um yeah i guess yeah because there's a clan tab on the roster page so you can kind of just see people and oh yeah chill with them that way in game it lets you track the people in your clan a little more easily which is not too difficult for us because we're in a very small clan and we all don't have trouble finding each other on each other's friend lists anyway so 
but like for people who might have you know 300 xbox friends it could be i don't think we even said that we're playing this on xbox <laughs> yeah um xbox one well i guess i don't have to specify anymore it's not on 316 anymore um the game is going to go to pc isn't it yes it's also going to go to p is it just pc or also mac uh i've only heard pc okay and is it still going to be no play between platforms that is what i've heard okay um apparently xbox has said hey we're willing to at least with they were willing to do cross play with sony okay sony made no comment on hearing that okay so i guess um for the time being at least until more is known um we're only going to be able to play with xbox people so and that's probably going to be the status quo for uh the foreseeable future I did hear that the they're tying the PC version into Battle.net, which is the main system for Blizzard Activision games. If you want to see the links for this episode, including um, information about the clan that we just talked about, you can find that at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 12. You can find us on Twitter at betterworldsnet. And we also have a Slack group, which you can join by emailing us and requesting an invitation at feedback at betterworlds.net. Thanks for listening. Go then. So I told you guys earlier that I almost accidentally purchased the $99 version of Destiny 2. Are you guys planning on buying the game or like what are your guys' plans? Um in theory right now I would take a stoic sort of wait and see um if the game actually looks like it's going to be worth purchasing. Um, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but bottom line, I'm probably going to buy it. I'm, I was not thinking, I was like, I I was probably a no until I was looking at some of the stuff they were doing and I thought "Uh, that looks interesting. So the, right now I would say I'm favorably inclined, Mm -hmm. but I'm not at a like pre-ordering it stage, if that makes sense. Like I kind of want to see some more what they're putting out with like promotional stuff they'll do at E3 in a couple weeks. Um and they'll be trying to give more information on how they've got stuff set up. So, I don't know. That's I want to see more first. Yeah. If that makes sense. Matthew, can you take us to the tower while we're talking? Yes. Um Dustin's gone. Yeah. I I'm at the tower. <laughs> oh, I just got tired of sitting in orbit, so I just went ahead. Yeah, another Darn. Destiny tradition is to go back to the tower and kind of go through all the gear we picked up while we were playing. So, Matthew, one big advantage of pre-ordering, perhaps the main advantage, is access to the beta. It says early beta access when I've seen it. Oh, so you think there might be beta access for more people, but it's just earlier for the pre-orderers? Yes, but then, like, by early, like, so last, uh, 
I think they the beta was super short for Destiny. Like I don't know if you remember that. It was like four days. Yeah. And normal and I'm comparing that to when Bungie did the beta for Halo Reach, which was a very enjoyable beta. Um that was three weeks long. Oh wow. And arguably for less time like there was even less content in it, but <laughs> um it I don't know. The the fact that they did that and they made a big I think they I can't remember if they did two separate beta periods at this point, but I feel like they had a like, oh, you pre-ordered, you got to do the beta couple of days and then they opened it up for like maybe two days on a weekend or something to everyone. Um, okay, this is this is way more detailed than I expected on that. Um which is fine. Oh, I was gonna say the while initially I was when they said like PC was coming in, I was like, uh this is just gonna make everyone really elitist about Destiny and playing it on the PC and you know, PC Master Race thing. Um, which isn't all PC players, but I feel like it tends to invite that mentality in. But then I realized, wait, this is a good thing in disguise. If Sony tries to pull all this exclusivity crap again, the PC players will eat them alive and it will, I can just watch the, those factions go against each other. And (laughs) because the PC people would, extremely dislike any content being withheld for um any console for a console only so um going back to the question of buying destiny 2 um i'm wondering i'm trying to weigh for myself how interesting the prospect of beta access is because beta access was a ton of fun for destiny well, I don't want to call it Destiny 1, but for for Destiny itself, it was really exciting because we didn't know at all what to expect in a lot of ways. It was very new and very exciting to go into that beta. And I don't know if there's going to be quite the same sense of excitement and wonder with a sequel. I could see what you're saying with that. Although, did you know that they're not doing any of the same locations? Um, No, I didn't. And I see what I still... Your, your point still stands in that it you can have a better like conceptual expectation of what's going to go on. Um, the I take it back. They're doing you're still going to have an Earth location, but it's not um, old Russia or the it's going to be the European Dead Zone. Okay, which has only appeared in a couple of PvP maps for, and then it's going to be Io. Um, Titan and a planetoid called Nessus that I had honestly not heard of before. That I thought Nessus, oh, it's named after Nessus the Centaur from Greek mythology. And then I learned that there is actually a class of heavenly body called a centaur, which Nessus is one of. <laughs> and I was like, well, they named it appropriately. So, Dustin, do you think you'll buy it? <sighs> not for a while. I just don't have time to play video games right now, and so it seems like it would be a waste of money for me to buy something that I can't use. Right, and that'll still be true in September, right? Yeah, for at least another year. So it's I would like to play with you guys, 
And if you guys were purchasing it, then I would eventually probably get it. But it, again, it it all depends on how much free time I have in the evenings, which right now is not. Right. And I think we mentioned this earlier, but the time that we used to spend playing Destiny, um, a lot of that now goes towards the podcast. Yeah. We just kind of switched our destiny destiny nights to podcast nights so right yep you guys probably got blues that you can use to infuse your armor i am doing that that's one of the side effects of not playing for a while is it gets very easy to level up because you kind of just your armor ages out of relevance oh and if you level up the vanguard now the packages can go all the way up to 400 just fyi okay not that you're going to do that. I was just throwing out the information. I'm really close to leveling up Vanguard. I just need 225. Do you guys remember the feeling of walking into the tower for the first time? Um, Very vaguely. I remember everything I did for the first time was pretty impressive. And, I mean, after you do it a lot, it loses its glimmer. Ha, ha, ha. I remember it being more impressive and then, like, becoming disappointed because it wasn't the Citadel from Mass Effect, which is kind of what I wanted it to be. Yeah, it wasn't the Citadel from Mass Effect, and it wasn't Whitefall. Is that what it's called? Uh, Whiterun. Whiterun. And it wasn't Whiterun from Skyrim. Oh, yeah. And those were kind of the reference points. So I remember walking in and... It was a really weird feeling because I saw these people walking around with their names over their heads, but I didn't see like kids running through the street, like in Skyrim or um, a woman running a vegetable cart or, you know, people standing around arguing about something like in Mass Effect. So it, it felt a lot more sterile in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And you know, part of that just comes with acclimating to the feel of the game, realizing that it does lean a little more towards the FPS, F, that it does lean a little more towards the FPS aspect than the RPG aspect. And there, there is plenty of fun stuff to do. Like even now I see this guy right here is kicking around the purple ball and... You know, the purple ball is very near and dear to all of our hearts now. Remember when we got a chain of leapfrog going? Oh, yeah. That was pretty awesome. That was really fun. <laughs> and the one thing I like about the interface is when I've seen um, MMOs in the past, it just somehow, that the perspective on it and, like, the amount of on-screen information from, like, usernames, doing things, and everything seems to become cluttered really fast. And Destiny never feels like it gets cluttered in that sense. Like, they kept the, I don't know, the MMO elements very clean. I think that was part of the weird sanitary... Not sanitary. Sanitized? I, I think that was part of the weird sanitized feeling I got when I first came into the tower, because I saw the names but it wasn't super cluttered. And so it kind of made it feel like no one was there because the names over the people 
reminded me of some other games that I've played. Like I, um, I've played like one MMORPG, um, briefly and it, it just felt really cluttered all the time. Um, all these names walking around all the time over people's heads. And, uh, the fact that it wasn't cluttered made me feel like it was empty, but you know, maybe it was just a cleaner interface. I found a guy named Panda Guardian. Panda Guardian. It's funny. Fine. You're not, not a raccoon, a trash panda. What is that? <laughs> is that worse? Oh, it's so much worse. <laughs> I just thought like trash panda is a, doesn't, I don't know. <laughs> trash panda. Yeah. I like Rocket. He's a good guy. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> what, what, I don't know what you mean. Well, I mean, just by a lot of objective measures, he's not, but I he at his core is. Right? So there's a... I mean, they, they use that as like a conceit for the movie that he's got a brush exterior trying to push people away and that... He's a lovable rogue. I like that he tried to get the guy's eye again. <laughs> He totally needs it. 